Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today.
Today is Tuesday, July 24th, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, seven of nine Seattle City Council members say they support cutting the police department budget by 50%. The mayor, though, is not happy. Fox's Tucker Carlson feels sorry for his racist former writer who lost his job. We'll show you what he had to say, and we'll talk about what he did not say. Florida has a major health crisis, and critics blame Governor Ron DeSantis. Former Florida House Representative Sean Shaw joins us to talk about it. A new campaign has been launched to fight the impact that misinformation on social media can have on the 2020 election. We'll talk with the co-founder of the campaign. Jamie Harrison is running to replace Lindsey Graham in the United States Senate. Wait until we show you this new campaign ad that uh, lays it out real clear. Bennett College joins the list of colleges and universities that will be entirely virtual in the fall. Plus, another crazy-ass white woman loses her job. We'll show you why. And Vanity Fair, Viola Davis is on their cover the first time in history. The cover shoot of Vanity Fair done by a black photographer. We'll break it all down. It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin has announced that $76 million will be cut from the Seattle Police Department 2021 budget and will be reallocating funds to other departments. But she is opposed to all of these cuts. We know that not every 911 call requires an officer to arrive with a gun. In so many instances, people might be better served by a mental health professional, a firefighter, a dispute resolution specialist or a social worker. Sometimes it takes both. Over the last decade, we've asked police to respond to so many of society and government's failures, including substance abuse, behavioral health crisis, and homelessness. But it's clear that law enforcement is not always the appropriate avenue to deal with these issues. We need to invest in community-based solutions that address the underlying root issues leading to these challenges. Community has made clear they want us to transform the Seattle Police Department and to reinvest in programs that provide this kind of community safety. As Chief Best and I continue going into a deeper analysis of the Seattle Police Department's budget, and most important, the personnel and departments that we need, we have quickly identified some common sense transfers, reorganizations, and reductions that we can make for next year's budget. Today, the chief and I are announcing an initial $76 million in reductions to the 2021 budget. These initial actions will keep 911 service accessible and available 24-7 in every part of the city. With appropriate response times, in every neighborhood, 
we have that obligation as we work through this process of reimagining and restructuring community safety in Seattle. $56 million will be transferred out of the department's 2021 budget by moving the following functions to civilian non-law enforcement oversight. The 911 call center will be moved out of the Seattle Police Department. The parking enforcement division will be moved out of the Seattle Police Department and into the Seattle Department of Transportation. The Office of Emergency Management and Office of Police Accountability also will be moved out of the Police Department. In addition, we've identified an initial $20 million in cuts by not expanding the force in 2021 and making reductions to overtime. Joining us right now is Kelly Bethea, communication strategist, Dr. Jason Nichols, Department of African American Studies, University of Maryland, and then we'll be joined by Julian Malvo in just a second. Jason, I want to start with you. Um, the, the thing here that is interesting is that the mayor is not happy, but in a democracy, guess what? She's simply been outvoted. But what they are doing in Seattle is exactly what people are talking about, and that is stop stop spending so much money on law enforcement and figure and go back to actually what we used to be what i mean by that is you used to have cities and counties that had community health centers that had community services centers that had places uh that where people could go get support for various things we turn this whole thing and just dumping it all into law enforcement this makes sense no i, I agree with you 100 i think one of the things that I, I, you know, a metaphor that I always use is that, you know, we have a leak and in order to fix the leak, we put a bucket down. You know, police are supposed to be the last resort. So instead of actually fixing the leak, we just try to get a bigger bucket every time. And that's that's problematic. I think that we have a lot of problems in our society that need to be addressed at the root cause. I think some of these the changes that they're making in Seattle just are common sense, like the parking thing being controlled by the Department of Transportation, to me, that makes perfect sense. That does not need to be a police issue. That's something that needs to be Jason, hold, Jason, hold tight one second, Jason. We're having significant problems with your audio, so I want us to think that we're actually getting a loop there. Kelly, go to you. No, um, I echo the sentiments of Jason here. I think that it makes complete sense that money is allocated to the services in Seattle that will actually be attentive to those issues. Um, like Jason was saying, putting parking um, initiatives with the police department doesn't really make any sense. It should be with the Department of Transportation. Um, we need to get back to a sense of community and stop being so militant in our society. And that's really what we've transferred to. We've transferred and transformed, rather, from a, a society that is communal and and familial in a sense to one that is very anti whatever you're against and very militant very black and white very binary and the issues in seattle and really in ma all major metropolitan cities in the u.s they're not binary issues they are they are well-rounded complex complicated issues that require more attention outside of just policing. We have mental health issues. We have housing issues. We have parking issues. And for whatever reason, all of that has been on the, has been burdened 
onto the police department in all these respective areas. And Seattle's finally making a step to actually alleviate some of that burden. It's not necessarily, you know, getting rid of cops. It's def it's it's allocating funds to where they're supposed to be. Well, it's, it's moving it's, money around. And, right. And, and, and I it's, just it, applaud and, that. And what is if what it forces people to do, Jason, it forces leaders to stop with the one-stop shop and to think think their way through, think about different ways in order to govern a city. Right, I, I agree 100%. Uh, this is something that's, you know, seems to make perfect sense, uh, you know, and it makes people, makes the leaders more accountable to uh, their constituents rather than just saying, oh, well, there's crime, so we're going to add more police, or everything becomes about policing rather than about, you know, societal problems. And one of my only issues with the comment or with the uh, the slogan, defund the police, is with that it, was that it sounded punitive against police, when in fact, it's not punitive. It's actually taking a burden off of their shoulders and actually putting things in the right places and making the leadership more accountable, which actually benefits everybody, including police. Absolutely. And so bottom line is this. Uh, this is a good move. I say to the mayor, get over your hurt feelings and deal with it because we're going to see more of this. All right, folks, Blake Neff, a writer for Fox's Fox News, Tucker Carlson show, was fired when it was reported the top, that the top writer for the program had posted racist, sexist and homophobic remarks on Auto Admit, a website that traffics in hateful commentary. Now, here you see some of his most recent posts. Neff worked on the show for more than three years. In a segment on the show, and first of all, y'all go ahead and pull up some of the posts, please. Up, right, there you go, okay. Um, so just this week, the writer Blake Neff responded to a thread started by another user in 2018 with the subject line, would you let a jet black Congo nigger do LASIK eye surgery on you for 50% off? Neff wrote, Neff wrote, I wouldn't get LASIK from an Asian for free, so no. Now, this is from one of the stories uh, that was done uh, on uh, Neff. Now, here's what's interesting. Neff worked on the show for more than three years. Last night, Tucker Carlson addressed the situation. Check it out. Over the weekend, you may have seen stories about a writer on this show called Blake Neff. For years, since he was in college, Blake posted anonymously on an internet message board for law school students. On Friday, many of those posts became public. Blake was horrified by the story and he was ashamed. Friday afternoon, he resigned from his job. We want to say a couple of things about this. First, what Blake wrote anonymously was wrong. We don't endorse those words. They have no connection to the show. It is wrong to attack people for qualities they cannot control. In this country, we judge people for what they do, not for how they were born. We often say that because we mean it. We'll continue to defend that principle, often alone among national news programs, because it is essential. Nothing is more important. Blake fell short of that standard, and he has paid a very heavy price for it. But we should also point out to the ghouls now beating their chests in triumph at the destruction of a young man that self-righteousness also has its costs. We are all human. When we pretend we are holy, we are lying. When we pose as blameless in order to hurt other people, we are committing the gravest sin of all, and we will be punished for it. There's no question. I'm going to roll that back. <clears throat> and I want you to, I'm, we're going to break this thing down. Press play.
Over the weekend, you may have seen stories about a writer on this show called Blake Neff. For years, since he was in college, Blake posted anonymously on an internet message board for law school students. Right there. He first says a writer on this show. No, he was the top writer on this show. What Tucker Carlson also did not state is that Blake Neft worked for Tucker Carlson at Tucker's website, The Daily Caller. Neff followed Carson over to his Fox News show. So he's not simply a writer. He's somebody who has had a longtime relationship with Tucker Carlson. Neff has previously given interviews where he said that the words that come out of his mouth are written by Neff. You also say that he's posted these things since he was in college. Go back to the graphic. The story that was done, this is done by Oliver Darcy, I think it was at CNN. I think it's where this came from. It said, just this week, the writer Blake Neff responded. So Neff was writing racist comments the same week he was busted. Go ahead and press play, please. On Friday, many of those posts became public. Blake was horrified by the story, and he was ashamed. Friday afternoon, he resigned from his job. Stop right there. Was Neff horrified that he got busted? Was Neff horrified that his racist comments actually are now public? Watch this. Press play. I want to say a couple of things about this. First, what Blake wrote anonymously was wrong. We don't endorse those words. They have no connection to the show. It is wrong to attack people for qualities they cannot control. In this country, we judge people for what they do, not for how they were born. We often say that because we mean it. We'll continue to defend that principle, often alone among national news programs, because it is essential. Nothing is more important. Come back. Blake fell short of that standard. Mm. The words were wrong. The words were wrong. He didn't say hateful. He didn't say racist. He didn't say they were uncalled for. He, oh, 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 the words were wrong. They fall short. Okay, go ahead and press play. And he has paid a very heavy price for it. But we should also point out to the ghouls now beating their chests in triumph at the destruction of a young man. Stop right there. It's self-righteous. Oh, the destruction of a young man. Listen, listen to poor little Tucker, the destruction of a young man and these things and what's so unfortunate and how his life has just been ruined. Y'all, he has been consistently writing racist things. And he's only unemployed today because he was busted. If he had not been busted, Blake Neff, the racist, would continue to be writing those things and will continue to be the top writer for Tucker Carlson at Fox News. Now, this part of the commentary is when Tucker enters into this condemnation of the individuals who busted him and are blasting his racist comments. Go ahead and press play. Consciousness also has its costs. We are all human. When we pretend we are holy, we are lying. When we pose as blameless in order to hurt other people, we are committing the gravest sin of all, and we will be punished for it. There's no question. 
No, we're all humans, and these things where, you know, these things happen. Did y'all get a, a, a sense of just how nice and easygoing Tucker sounded over the racist rants of his top writer? The same Blake Neff who worked with him in the Daily Caller, which he never mentioned. I mean, I, I found that to be very interesting. J Jason, you appear on Tucker Carlson's show. And I, I and I just find it, it did, did you find it fascinating how it was just so nice and fluffy and the destruction of this young man and well you know those words were wrong and you know and this these are the things but but you know it's you know we're human and we're not holier than thou yeah um it's clear that no one destroyed Blake Neff other than Blake Neff He's the person who is responsible, and, and, you know, when you try to pawn off what other people, you know, pawn off your responsibility on other people and say, well, it's these people who are beating their chest, they want to tear us apart, whatever it is, um, I think that's a, that's a big failure uh, right there. He needs to acknowledge that Blake Neff is the person who's responsible for Blake Neff's words. Now, I'll, I'll also say that you know, I know Blake, and I would say that uh, though he's always he was always polite to me, um, I'm not surprised you know, that he said these things. I'm not surprised that he was writing these things. The only thing that I don't understand is why he felt the need to do it anonymously when he writes, you know, things about immigrants and about other kinds of people all the time, you know, um, for people to say. Uh, so it was disappointing. Uh, that he didn't have the guts to at least do it, you know, that he did it anonymously when he does it for a living in many ways. Um, but here's the other deal. I'm sorry, have, have, have any of y'all actually seen... I mean, you said you know him. Have, have you actually seen an apology from Blake Neff? No, I haven't heard anything from Blake Hello? Neff. See, see, <laughs> see right, right there, Kelly, that says it all. The fact that you got busted, Blake Neff. You got fired. But you ain't said nothing. Now, Fox has condemned the comments. And Tucker has said, oh, they're, oh, they're wrong. And, you know, we're all human. And, you know, uh, a young man's been destroyed. No. Because I guarantee you, in the whole conservative ecosystem, oh, there's going to be a job for Blake Neff. If I wouldn't you, be surprised if he already got hired. Like, he's probably working right now. Um, but a couple points on this. Um, it is, it is, it is, it is upsetting to me, but also pretty obvious to me just how much power someone like him has. And it, it's not all that obvious for a lot of people. But the fact that uh, he went to law school that is very concerning to me because I don't know whether he graduated or is barred or whatever. But the fact that you have knowledge, like very acute, very comprehensive knowledge of law and order and and uh, civil rights, human rights, and you still have this kind of rhetoric and mentality in you, that is troubling. We don't know how that has impacted many, many people. God forbid he actually practiced law. But let's just say he didn't practice law at all. He's still a journalist, which is even more dangerous in some respects because he's writing not only on behalf of himself by being anonymous in these forums, 
But he's writing on behalf of Tucker, Collar, uh, T Tucker Carlson in that all of his rhetoric, and Tucker admitted, is, is coming from this man. So he's, he's thoroughly racist. And I understand, uh, Jason, when you said, like, he was always polite to you. I haven't met a rude racist personally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I mean, I've seen your page. Yeah, you definitely have. But as far as, <laughs> as, far as you know, someone in my face being racist, I've, I've yet to meet one who is blatantly rude. And especially if you are in the DMV area, such as myself and, and you, Jason, I, I am not hard-pressed to find a polite racist. So that is... that part is null and void to me. He's racist. He didn't want his name out there because he's probably in this area and he has a lot of black friends or whatever and he didn't want that side of him up, up, uh, coming out from beneath the shadows, so he decided to live in them. So, uh, Julian, everything uh, about this is troubling to me, but I'm not surprised at the trajectory well, of this, of this uh, look, situation. Look, Julian, here's the deal. You had, it was a woman who worked at Breitbart who talked about uh, that she called, she said she was a white supremacist, and that Stephen Miller, who is now one of, one of uh, Trump's top advisors, uh, frequently would call them with stories and pitches and things along those lines, and Breitbart said that they were the home of the alt-right. And that that and then they were appealing to, to 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 those races. That's what you're dealing with. You've had in these conservative outlets numerous individuals who have been exposed as racist. And because they are, and you know the whole thing with this Tucker Carlson and his non-apology uh, is absurd, because he read some of this stuff. Some of those tweets, of the, the posts that that man put up, were reflected in Tucker's words. If Tucker were really woke, he would have looked at some of these words. You have people writing for you sometimes, Roland. If someone says something, write something you don't want to say, you don't say it. No. Nope. You know, and here, Tucker wanted to say it. So the reason why he had a non-apology is because he was complicit in this nonsense mm -hmm. with the anti-immigrant, um, other anti-black, and other kinds of remarks. This guy... Um, Racist is the nicest thing we could say about them. He's not only a racist, but he's a puppet master racist. And Tucker Carlson was his puppet. Well, I mean, this is, this is again, the kind of nonsense uh, that you're dealing with. Uh, and, you know, look, it's, it's, it's classic. It's classic Fox News. Um, and, and, and this whole deal of, like, we don't want to really sit here and address the issue. And then Tucker says, hey, he was going on a already scheduled, um, you know, fishing trip or, or whatever the hell he's doing uh, and that kind of different thing like that. But since we're talking about Fox News, I, I want to play this video for y'all. The, the Daily Show put this video together. I think this is the absolute perfect example of what happens when you're stuck on stupid and you watch Fox News. See, that's the reason they don't call me because you'll never hear me saying this ignorant stuff. Watch this. Let's see here. All right, trying to get the video to play. Because this is, I mean, I, I saw this video, and when I say I holler laughing, if y'all have in the control room, go ahead and play it. Uh, looks like we're having an issue uh, playing it out here. This, uh, so, uh, let's see. What the, what the video lays out is, so on, Fox, so on Fox News, they were condemning New York Governor Mario Cuomo, trashing California Governor Newsom, Oh, my goodness. They were saying how flat out 
awful they were and how they were leading. And then they started praising uh, all of the people uh, who the governors of Florida and Texas and how they're doing things right and how they're opening up their states and how things are just fantastic. Just right. Watch this. And guess what? Now it's time for all the states to follow. Florida got it right, Texas got it right, and guess what? Now it's time for all the states to follow their lead. Governor DeSantis now looks like a genius. Ron DeSantis of Florida, the governor, doing a fantastic job in Florida. Governor, those dire predictions have not come true. They look to Florida and they look at Texas that have reopened and it hasn't led to a massive second wave. In a very real sense, uh... Uh, Florida's leading the way. It's been two months, and Florida has figured out how to manage this pretty effectively. Governor DeSantis, who's doing a phenomenal job, the state of Florida, which happens to be my great home state. I can't get to Florida or Texas fast enough, and I think there's plenty of people thinking the exact same way. How much longer are you going to keep me out of your state? I would like to go visit. When am I allowed record, back Sean? in? We're glad you're opening up. We're ready to have some sunshine and get out of the house. It's great to be in Florida, and I'm going to be back here in a week. And I've always wanted to move to Texas. Now I think I have to. Governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, he knows what he's doing. He's a great governor. Governor Greg Abbott, we can learn a lot from you and a lot from Governor DeSantis, but we can also learn a lot from Governor Cuomo and Governor Murphy what not to do because they did the opposite of what you guys did. Texas, Florida gave us clues. Take the success clues. The successes of Florida, Texas, the failures of New York, New Jersey. We got to get the whole country open like Tennessee and Texas and Florida. He's got it in great shape, Texas. Florida's doing very well. How did you do it? Because we need to learn as we reopen. Great job down there. Keep up the great work. You did a great job. Uh, you saved a lot of lives, and there's a lot to learn from your success. Ah! Oh, my God. That is an absolutely hilarious segment. Joining me right now is Sean Shaw, first of all. Uh, he is a former Florida House representative. Uh, he is the founder of People Over Profits. Uh, Sean, what's a trip there? We're watching that video. We well, now we, no, we, we, we now know that the cases are exploding in Florida and Texas. As of today, 9,194 new cases of COVID-19, bringing the state's total to 291,629. 132 new deaths announced. Statewide death total is 4,409. Miami, epicenter for the virus. Ron DeSantis even comes out and says, yeah, you know what? We really can't lay the blame on this, on testing. There's something else. He, all that praise of Fox, all of that praise comes crashing down. Brother, I don't know what to say. I was watching that video and... I'll tell you, if it wasn't so <laughs> dire down here in Florida, I'd be laughing. But, you know, the governor uh, preened and pranced and went in front of the media and uh, told them that New York was doing it wrong and he was doing no, no, it no, right. No, 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 hold on. No, chastise. Chastise. Chastise people. Well, he, he then demanded an apology from the media when the numbers didn't immediately go up and demanded that they apologize to him we're picking on him. And now you see that we are almost the worldwide daily epicenter of COVID-19 coronavirus, and it's awful. Uh, and that video, damn, brother, that video was right on point because a lot of us here in Florida, uh, we have memories. And I, I remember just a month ago, or just two months ago, 
uh, and now we look like fools, and I'm sitting here in my house in Florida scared to leave because we are the worst state in the union. Oh, and again, on the same day, uh, Memorial Day weekend, when George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis, Texas Governor Greg Abbott opens the state. They sat here and they chastised Judge Eric Moyer, who told this woman who owned the hair salon, look, I won't see you in the jail if you apologize. She wouldn't do it. They raised money, and he said, don't you dare send anybody to jail because they won't wear a mask and they won't close up their business. And all these folks running around and defending that nonsense, and now all of a sudden the governor says just 24 hours ago, we might have to shut down the entire state. Hospital beds have filled up. Hospitals all over the state are showing an explosion in cases. And now he's saying we need to have a mandatory mask wearing, uh, uh, wearing publicly. And he ignored the mayors and the county judges. But the folks at Fox just praised well, you're about them. Texas, right? Right, no, no. I'm saying it's the same thing. Because you, you, we don't have a mandatory mask order in Florida, nor does he intend to issue one. Even now? We going, we going back to school, brother. Right even now? Kid, even now, the kids are going back to school as scheduled in person, and we do not have a mandatory mask order. So I knew you weren't talking about Florida, because we ain't even doing that. I mean, th this to me shows how idiotic these folks are, and that's the reason why the cases are exploding across the country, because you have these Republican governors who flat out ignore all the medical advice, and they were just so focused on listening to Donald Trump, who was a damn fool, and, not, and all these fools who followed him. I kept saying black people on this show. And look, there's some white people who see this show, and they, 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 they're members of our fan club. I keep saying, don't listen to those fools, because trust me, this thing is gonna spike. And now we see it in Florida, Texas, and other states. He, it, it is, it's so unfortunate. And the governor here refuses to admit any kind of, any kind of mistake. So, you know, he didn't close the beaches in time. He waffled on how to really close restaurants. Because let's be honest, 25%, uh, 50% occupancy with social distancing is still a problem if you're trying to avoid this virus. Uh, we can't really trust the numbers that are coming out of the nursing homes here in Florida because there's certainly transparency issues. He doesn't talk to the media really like he should. He doesn't allow certain media outlets to participate in press conferences. Who does that sound like? Who does that sound like? And so he is doing his best Trump impersonation. I'll tell you, uh, if Trump doesn't win, this November, I think our governor's in serious serious trouble because he's doing the best imitation he can, and that's very unfortunate. So, what are people doing there? What are they doing, you know, trying... Because, again, you're not getting leadership from the governor. Right. Well, there's local... Uh, local governments are trying to step in. For example, I live in Hillsborough County in Tampa, and so there's a mandatory local mask order, uh, and there are local rules that are going in place the Palm Beach County, Broward County, Miami-Dade County school boards have essentially said, we're not sending our kids to full in-person classes as you're trying to schedule them. So there's gonna be a, a clash there as there should be. Uh, you should not have all these problems going on uh, in regular society and sending the kids to in-person uh, in-person school. So there's, there's local leadership that's trying to step into the fray uh, as it should. The governor has been waffling from the beginning uh, we were slow to close. 
fast to open and look what's happened. Uh, and so he sends kind of contradictory orders uh, as well. It's just, it's a mess down here, but brother, this is Florida. This is how we do. Well, but it's, but it's not just Florida. It's Florida, it's Mississippi, it's Alabama. Mm. I mean, you have all these Mississippi lawmakers refusing to wear masks, and now you got more than 30 who tested positive for coronavirus. They're just walking around, just talking to people, no safe distancing, no mask. And now, then you got the guy in Florida. Uh, isn't there an official in Florida who absolutely was against masks, and now he's in critical condition with coronavirus? I, I think that's us, brother. I don't. I don't understand what people. Why this has turned political? The CDC, not the Democratic Party, not the Republican Party, has said y'all to wear masks. That's the way to stop this. That's the way to be respectful. That's the way to be safe. And people uh, don't tread on me. I'm American. I'm free. This just kind of crazy strain of people uh, are just rebelling against it, and you know, and, and it's putting the rest of us at risk. And it's it's just outrageous. Well, uh, that, I mean, that's clearly what uh, you have here. I, I just think it, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. And in fact, in fact, you talked about that. Let me go ahead and try to pull it up here. Because, y'all, I, I just want to show for the audience what happens when you're stuck on stupid. Here is the governor of Florida uh, demanding his apology. About how Florida has the absolute best data. So any insinuation otherwise is just typical partisan narrative trying to be spun and part of the reason is that because you got a lot of people in your profession who waxed poetically for weeks and weeks about how florida was going to be just like new york wait two weeks florida's going to be next just like italy wait two weeks well hell we're eight weeks away from that and it hasn't happened not only do we have a lower death rate well we have way lower deaths generally we have a lower death rate than the acela corridor dc everyone up there we have a lower death rate than the Midwest, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. But even in our region, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida has the lower death rate. And I was the number one landing spot from tens of thousands of people leaving the number one hot zone in the world to come to my state. So we've succeeded, and I think that people just don't want to recognize it because it challenges their narrative, it challenges their assumption, so they got to try to find a boogeyman. Maybe it's that there are black helicopters circling the Department of Health. If you believe that, um, I got a bridge in Brooklyn I'd like to sell you. Last question. The, I, <laughs> I don't even know. I'll tell you what, though. Um, he talking like a man that got all the spades in his hand back then, wasn't he? And now uh, he'll, he'll barely even discuss this, but that's what we're dealing with. That is the man we're dealing with that wants that kind of apology and gives those kind of press conferences, and now we lead the country. That's what we got down here. Sean Shaw, we certainly appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Ain't that special, Julian? Just, oh, what? Well, we, he, he was wagging you know, his finger. He was indignant. You know, How Paul, dare you? The governor, <laughs> the governor of Florida, as you said, he's a hot monkey fool. And he's been one from the beginning. You've seen the numbers spike after Memorial Day, and they've gone up even more. And he just doesn't want to deal with it. He, as you as you said, it was a great uh, remark. It's the best Trump imitation that we've seen in a while. But you know, the sad thing, Roland, is that even California, where Gavin Newsom uh, dotted the I's, crossed the T's, did everything right with London Breed. They closed San Francisco down earlier than just about anybody else. You still are seeing a spike in California. Um, this virus is something 
that we can't contain. It's containing us because we haven't put the resources into it. You know, 45 loves to brag about American exceptionalism. Well, how is Italy? How are all these other countries with fewer resources than us doing so much better than we are? And how can we contemplate sending young people to school when we haven't sent any resources to these schools so they can actually really socially distance? You know, I've been to classrooms, I speak at a lot of schools, where the classroom is hot full, is completely full, not a room for another kid. So how are you going to manage that? I think they should lease space, if they're going to go back to school, lease spaces at church basements and other places to make sure young people can have social distance. But, you know, you have these folks who just are like, oh, well, it's going to go away. DeSantis is a fool, but then he's not the only fool out there. Uh, uh, Kelly, bottom line is it's hilarious watching this dude wag his finger and be so indignant. And what people don't understand, there is a lag. That took place in May. They're, they say there's a six to eight week lag when somebody contracts it, then all of a sudden shows symptoms, gets sick, has to go to the hospital, dies. Um, it's now July. What is it, 14th? This is what... That was around May 25th, something like that. Mm. I just don't understand why this is a an issue to put a cloth over your face and stay six feet away from me, at least. It should not be this hard. Um, it also shouldn't be hard to just listen to scientists. Like, we listen to our doctors when they tell us that we have the flu or that we have a cold or that that, you know, little skin tag, whatever, needs to go somewhere. Like, I just don't understand how this became a a liberty issue. I wish that, you know, as, as Black folk, we had the mentality of something so minor being an infringement upon our liberty. Because we actually know what infringing upon our liberties are. But the fact that these people actually think that putting something over your face to save you is infringing upon you. That doesn't make any sense to me. And what's even more scary to me than that is, it's July 14th and things still aren't closed down there and elsewhere. What's gonna happen in September? What's gonna happen around Christmas when the flu season also starts up? So it's it's just this ongoing, just, just baffling to me about how and why people just don't listen, why and how people just don't wear a mask, social distance. It's not a conspiracy to save your life. And if it is, then then what? You know, Jay, I, I, I don't get it. Jason, I, I, again, it's, it's, la it's laughable to... Again, this video was posted on May 20th. This is July 14th. Almost eight weeks later. I, I, I got to play it again, Jason. L listen to him wag his finger at it. It's eight weeks later and it hasn't happened. Watch this. Our data is available. Our data is transparent. In fact, Dr. Burks has talked multiple times about how Florida has the absolute best data. So any insinuation otherwise is just typical partisan narrative trying to be spun 
And part of the reason is that because you got a lot of people in your profession who waxed poetically for weeks and weeks about how Florida was going to be just like New York. Wait two weeks, Florida's going to be next. Just like Italy, wait two weeks. Well, hell, we're eight weeks away from that, and it hasn't happened. Not only do we have a lower death rate, well, we have way lower deaths generally, we have a lower death rate than the Acela Corridor, D.C., everyone up there. We have a lower rate death rate than the Midwest, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. But even in our region, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida has the lower death rate. And I was the number one landing spot from tens of thousands of people leaving the number one hot zone in the world to come to my state. So we've succeeded, and I think that people just don't want to recognize it because it challenges their narrative, it challenges their assumption, so they got to try to find a boogeyman. Maybe it's that there are black helicopters circling the Department of Health. If you believe that, um, I got a bridge in Brooklyn I'd like to sell you. Last question. I was the number one landing spot. Oh, yeah, man. you were. <laughs> that was, I mean, that is hilarious, you know, how indignant he was with the whole thing. Uh, before I even say anything, let me just say that Pence needs to spend more time in Florida because he looks like he needs some sun. That guy is like... Little <laughs> 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 pasty. Little pasty. Yeah, he was, whew, he was pasty. He looked like chalk. But I'll also say that, you know, Miami-Dade is the epicenter of the virus right now. Um, so all of the things that the right wing was saying, this is going to disappear, warm weather gets rid of, rid of it, uh, I don't think it gets much warmer in the United States than Miami-Dade or Arizona, uh, two of the hot spots. So uh, DeSantis and Ducey have failed the people of their states, and not to mention uh, Governor Abbott and many other governors, but those three in particular. And we've seen also people who are just not listening to their governors, like what you found in California with uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, who's actually tried to do some of the right things, but people aren't listening, and that's why you get these spikes. People need to listen to public health professionals like Dr. Fauci. Instead, they want to play politics and attack Dr. Fauci, attack the research, and maybe then our children could go to school, because I can tell you right now, I damn sure want my kids to go to school. Good Lord. You know, I'm so ready for them to get out of my house and go to school. But because people aren't listening, because, like Kelly said, they won't put a mask over their face, they say they can't breathe. And let me tell you something, if you can't breathe with a mask on your face, then you probably already have it. Or you've got some other breathing issue because a mask is not that difficult to breathe in. Uh, we really need better leadership in these states. I'm really waiting for... Uh, for November, when we can get guys like, you know, DeSantis. Well, I don't know if DeSantis is, is up for re-election. I'm, I'm not certain, but uh, probably not. I think he's got two more years. But, you know, the Abbots and the Ducies and all these guys, they've got to, you know, get out. It's, you know, the uh, public health is much more important than the economy. Well, and again, what you're dealing with the people like, go to my iPad, watch this here. Uh, this is Pence. But to be very clear, we don't want CDC guidance to be a reason why, why people don't reopen their schools. Uh, the, we're going to respect whatever decisions are made on campuses like this. Uh, that's, that's, that's actually kind of what they're following. They, again, these people are idiots. They're idiots. And I'm telling y'all, I, 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 I'm, I'm telling you right now, that was, what was, in one of those western states, 
three teachers, they go back. All three get coronavirus. One of them is dead. These are teachers. When you start talking about teachers, administrators, janitors, support staff, secretary, and children, and if you do not have rigorous protocols in place when it comes to not just testing, somebody asked the question uh, a week ago on the show, what happens if a teacher falls sick in the classroom? Mm-hmm. What do we do? Do we send a substitute? Do we quarantine the whole class? What do we do? See, all these different things. And so I'm telling you right now, these people, uh, it's going to happen. You're going to see, I'm going to predict it now. You're going to see massive outbreaks of coronavirus in schools. And you know what they're going to do? The exact same thing those fools did in Florida. They reopened the bars. All these folks went to the bars, got drunk. They had to shut them all down because it's, because coronavirus spiked. That's what's going to happen. But we got the so-called smart people, the Ron DeSantis of the world and Mike Pence and Donald Trump, who they rather trash Dr. Fauci and trash the execs. Now there's a new report saying at the White House is ordering hospitals not to send their data to the CDC, but to send their data directly to uh, to Washington, D.C. for a database. Um, that's what their job is. Uh, got some breaking news here, folks. Uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been hospitalized uh, for a possible infection. Uh, she was admitted to John, Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, uh, where, according to uh, a spokesperson, she is resting comfortably. Uh, she's going to remain there for a few days to receive intravenous antibiotic treatment. And, of course, uh, folks who watch the Supreme Court knows that her seat is a critical one. Republicans, let me just go ahead and say it, Republicans would love for her to either die or resign in order to replace her on the Supreme Court. Right now, there's a 5-4 conservative majority on the Supreme Court. They will love uh, to be able to replace her before the before November. Uh, Mitch McConnell has made it perfectly clear that BS that he came up with when Obama was president does not matter. If, Ruth, if, if anything happens to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, October, he will sit here and move. I can tell you right now, if anything happened after the election, Mitch McConnell would move to fill that Supreme Court vacancy. Republicans do not care. And so, again, uh, she's been treated for a possible infection. She's 87 years old. And so I dare say to all the prayer warriors, lift Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg up uh, uh, in prayer. And so, again, uh, she was admitted uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, and this is the... Um, uh, this is the the actual, the actual um, uh, statement here. Justice Ginsburg was admitted to the Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland, early this morning for treatment. Could my iPad, please? Of a possible infection, she was initially evaluated at Sibley Memorial Hospital in Washington, D.C. last night after experiencing fever and chills. She underwent an endoscopic procedure at Johns Hopkins this afternoon to clean out a bile duct stent that was placed last August. The justice is resting comfortably and will stay in the hospital for a few days to receive intravenous antibiotic treatment. So any more uh, on her uh, situation, we certainly will update you. Folks, after the 2016 election, it was proven that Russian interference, sexist memes, and voter suppression targeted black voters on social media with one of the most successful disinformation campaigns that has ever been attempted. 
As we head into the 2020 election, what are the steps needed to be taken to ensure it doesn't happen again? Joining us right now is Ashley Bryant, principal at AB Partners and creator of a new initiative designed to stop disinformation on social media. Ashley, glad to have you on Roland Martin Unfiltered. What are you seeing so far? What kind of information are you seeing right now? Uh, are we seeing the same disinformation tactics targeting black people in 2020 that we saw four years ago? Absolutely. And thank you for having me, Roland. You know, we launched Win Black Palante, like you said, out of the 2016 election. Um, we saw more than 1.2 million uh, foreign agents acting as actual black leaders on Facebook alone in the 2016 election. Right now, today, we're seeing uh, this has even evolved, right? Um, you all were just speaking around uh, COVID and, and some of the SCOTUS decisions that have been happening just recently with this Kanye Forbes article um, was such a huge tactic uh, with right wing operatives timed uh, perfectly towards the SCOTUS decision against um, helping employers be able to block uh, coverage for birth control. And then you have the messaging from Kanye that right-wing operatives sent across uh, all the social platforms. And so for our content our operation, our analysis, we were able to uh, work with the progressive ecosystem, our state-level uh, grassroots organizations, helping them to create some counter-narratives into the space to kind of push down the, uh, the narrative against women, right? And so these are things we're seeing misinformation, disinformation, uh, targeted towards black and brown voters all across the online space. I mean, digital media has really been weaponized as the largest tactic in voter suppression in this country's history. And so it's really, this is a critical time for us to be vigilant. And so when we talk about uh, this disinformation, uh, the kind of messaging that goes out, I mean, we know now that the largest Black Lives Matter group on Facebook in 2016 was actually a Russian troll farm. Earlier this year, we also found out that the Russians moved this tr their troll farm from there to Ghana. Yeah, I mean, these are, you know, this is not just, you know, it's not just foreign agents as well. I mean, these aren't things that are just coming from Ghana. These are domestic operatives as well. Um, this graphic, like like I said, you know, 2016, the, these uh, bops amassed more followers than Color of Change, than the NAACP, because they know uh, they're, they're taking over our language. They are um, engaging authentically uh, with black and brown voters. And so it's really important that we, as the progressive ecosystem, are providing and, and investing the resources and engaging with our communities um, just as effectively. Uh, what should we be looking out for? You know, one of the things that, uh, like a, a little leprechaun, Terrence Williams, I call him Trump's mascot. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's got a million Twitter followers. These fools, you know, he tweeted several things about me over the weekend. These idiots start tweeting me. And I can always tell the bots when, I, when you got like six or eight digits at the end of their name. Okay, I don't know anybody who comes up with a Twitter handle where they've got a bunch of numbers at the end of their name. And so what should people be looking out for when it comes to disinformation, when it comes to bots, things along those lines? 
Sure. So, and I think you bring up a good point, but to be quite honest, it's not always that easy. Uh, these are really sophisticated agents. Um, and so I think the best ways is one, you want to check their followers, check if they have any, um, any type of content that is more from an actual person, right? As we all know, even some of us politicos, not everything I tweet um, is a very tailored political message. Um, and so you want to try and Take a look at their content overall. See if there's any, um, you know, individual types posts. Um, the username as well. Uh, uh, you know, if there's six numbers uh, behind someone's name. A new tactic that we're seeing as well is. Everyone knows the Twitter verification is the blue check that's also on Instagram. Folks are just putting the emoji check next to their name, uh, which at the quick eye or someone that's not as familiar with knowing that it is a blue check specifically, um, that's another way that they're trying to trick people into looking authentic. But, you know, really, we just need to really triple check. If you are seeing stories being spread before we're pressing retweet or resharing this on our social channels, it's really important to make Make sure, you know, are you seeing this from credible media sources? Are you seeing this from journalists um, that are validated in the media space? Um, and doing that extra search is really critical. I mean, this information can be dangerous, right? In the age of this pandemic, telling people to drink Clorac, Clorox or, um, you know, to, to, to your point of, of people not even wearing masks and trying to share stories as if a, an actual science, a scientist or physician um, has come out and said, oh, masks are not effective, right? Um, and so it's really important that we are doing that extra check as individuals because spreading this type of information, it, it, it can be dangerous. Well, and one of the things, like, I'm, I'm sitting here right now on, um, uh, on our YouTube channel, and look, we, we, we get swarmed as well when you have these folks who come in to the page and all of a sudden making their comments, things along those lines. I want to bring in my panel right now. Uh, each one of them has a question for you. I'll first start off with, uh, Kelly, your question for Ashley Bryant. I just want to know, in, in terms of encouraging people to just do the simple protocols, are there any tactics that we as panelists can do or, or just common citizens can do to just inform our personal circles? Because I, I've been running across people who do believe these trolls, who do believe the these bots because they look like and they sound like experts. So how, how do you combat information that's false but sounds true? Ashley? Sure. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things I kind of want to start with is what not to do, right? A lot of times folks are thinking, I need to retweet this fake news and say that it's fake and say that this is false. When really we're trying to train folks on how to actually combat this through counter narrative. So one of the, you know, good examples is as we talked about, you know, the, the uprising where the narrative was violence and rioting or, or looting. Um, and so what we were trying to work with a lot of the progressive organizations and, and, you know, Black Lives Matter was leading on this as well, is making sure that we were showing the positive narratives. We were showing that it's positive to uplift your voice. And so even on these, you know, things that we're seeing daily on our channels, you know, let's educate folks on what is true versus trying to reshare content and just say it's false because we are in turn amplifying that narrative just because we've actually reshared it on our social channels. Um, and so then I, I, beyond that, I would also say 
it is critical um, to make sure that we are challenging folks. When you do see something that is false, comment on that post uh, and be vigilant about it. You know, I have, you know, I don't want to say that we should all start trolling everyone, but it is really important, especially when we are seeing stark narratives that are simply false. We need to call it out. We need to ask people to delete it. We can also share with them what, what is true, share an article that, that dispels some of that misinformation. And um, that is definitely something that we see being very helpful. Uh, let's see, Julian, question. Question, um, what, I mean, what can people do at the individual level in terms of not only the misinformation, but voter suppression? I think that at this point, with the 2020 election, we're seeing polling places closed, so there are fewer polling places. Some folks don't know how to do vote by mail, although not that complicated, but people don't know. What can we do to raise consciousness about how important this vote is and I do think our churches are pivotal in this, but what else do you think? Sure, you know, and you bring up a really great point because we are heading into an election season where we are gonna be forced to choose between our health and exercising our right to vote. And it is critical that we are uplifting the real education around vote by mail, that we're encouraging our communities and letting folks know that this is accessible, it is not illegal, it's not fraudulent, um, and making sure that our communities are aware that of the deadlines for requesting their ballots, where they can be dropped off, how they need to be mailed in, making sure uh, that they are also signed as well. Um, but I think that as we're organizing, whether it be our churches or sororities or any type of community groups, it's important that we are bringing folks together for discussions just like these. If we're, you know, right now today, it's my sister's birthday, and I, you better believe over dinner, I'm talking about vote by mail. I'm talking about any misinformation that, that I've seen. I'm in my family group chats with my aunts and uncles and making sure that if I, I can educate just 10 of my family members that I'm doing something that's helpful. Um, I also think that especially if you have friends or family that are in the legal field, it is, you know, I would encourage them so heavily to volunteer around this election season. We cannot have too many lawyers that are volunteering their time for voter protection. Um, as we saw in, in Georgia, you know, lines four and five hours, as we saw in Kentucky with the actual polling locations closing to one in, in a highly populated black uh, county. It is important that we have lawyers that are available and can use their expertise to help combat some of this suppression that we are only going to see get worse. Last question, Jason. So we, we've heard a whole lot about uh, Russia and their involvement in these troll farms. And I'm wondering, are there any other countries we know uh, that may have an agenda in terms of stoking racial uh, fears, stoking racial discord, uh, capitalizing on this moment? Do we hear any other countries besides Russia? Uh, and what is their eventual goal and eventual uh, objective? Is it just to get Donald Trump elected, or is there a larger goal that maybe we're not paying attention to. So, so you mean be, besides the United States? <laughs> because, you know, I, okay. I, I have to say this, I have to underscore this because, you know, I said this earlier, there, you know, this is, 
this is not just foreign agents, right? While we have to um, be careful and be mindful and, and having a watchful eye of these camps in Ghana or uh, Russian agents, you know, there are agencies, full agencies that are down the street from us, whether you're in New York, Detroit, uh, LA, wherever. Um, there are agencies that are being uh, contracted to run full digital media campaigns solely to get black and brown folks to stay home. Um, but to your point specifically, you know, I don't have a, a, a list or, or a number of, of these countries specifically, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not, I don't necessarily think outside of Russia, there is a, you know, real value outside of, or, or, or foreign relations type value outside of, you know, wanting to continue having our country fail miserably under a Trump presidency. Um, and so I think it's just us being vigilant in, in making sure that we have programs in place like Win Black Palante that are working as a collective effort with progressive organizations to make sure that we have the power and resources to combat this together in order for us to, you know, really in, in, empower um, and bring back the power of, of, of the black and brown vote um, and also encourage, you know, we have a responsibility um, to engage our communities effectively. And, you know, quite honestly, we haven't been doing that as a progressive system in the years. And so it's really important that, that we're investing those resources and we're focused on doing whatever we need to do to make sure that we have our folks showing up on November 3rd. Ashley, where can people go to get more information about this campaign? Absolutely. So actually, if you can follow us on Twitter uh, and Instagram and on Facebook at We Win Black, uh, we also, it's a free content resource. We have developed a complete content library that is unbranded and it's it's built from tested messages that we know are resonant uh, to encourage black and brown folks to vote, to combat this misinformation. We have built and designed bespoke content solely to combat these narratives. Um, and so surely, join us over at We Win Black um, and please feel free to flood the zone with our content in order to encourage voters. All right. Ashley Bryant, we surely appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Folks, going to a break, we come back, we're going to talk about some of the new online ads targeting Sarah Lindsey Graham by Jamie Harrison, but also targeting Donald Trump. Wait till you see what they dropped today. That's next. Roland Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get... All right, folks, uh, Republican incumbent Lindsey Graham, who has held his South Carolina Senate seat since 2003, is going up against Democratic Jamie Harrison. Harrison dropped this video, folks. It's a very tight race, uh, but uh, check this thing out. Lindsey must go. I breathe, I hope. I'm going to tell my story of hope. There was one night I was in the United States Capitol. It was late. It was about midnight. So late that the custodial staff has started to come to clean up. So I'm sitting there at my computer doing my work with Jim Clyburn. And there was this middle-aged African-American woman. And she came in and she said, you know, are you from South Carolina? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, are you from Orangeburg? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm from Orangeburg. 
Then she goes over to my pictures on the wall. She says, is that your mother? And I said, yes, ma'am. Is your mother's name Patricia Harrison? Yes, ma'am. And she started to shake and she put her hand up to her mouth and she said, oh my God, I know your mother. I went to high school with your mother. I remember when your mom dropped out of school to have you. And tears start flowing from her face and tears were flowing from mine and she hugged me. She said, I would have never thought that Patricia Harrison's son would be right here. You give me hope. My life is emblematic that the American dream works. All right, folks, that's one of the online ads uh, targeting one of the biggest supporters of Donald Trump. Check these ads out. There was a day earlier this year when our nation's intelligence and public health experts pleaded with Donald Trump to take the coronavirus seriously. Did he listen? No. What did he do? He probably scrolled through his Twitter feed or daydreamed about his next rally or asked Lindsey Graham to play golf or ordered fewer tests. Slow the testing down, please. And now, more than 130,000 Americans are dead. Three million Americans are sick. Thousands more infected every day. Tens of millions out of work, isolated from the world. And what does Trump do? He tells us to live with it. The guy doesn't know what he's doing. It's gross negligence, and honestly, it's worse. It's just sheer incompetence. I think we're going to be very good with the coronavirus. I think that at some point, uh, that's going to sort of just disappear, I hope. The nation's death toll now tops 135,000. There's no enthusiasm. He can't get people to show up a rally. They don't want him on the stump. Honestly, they don't even want him on the teleprompter because he can't even get that right. They delivered a swift and swift in, you know, that sweeping and anomalous really an, an ominous. This guy is the epitome of the swamp. President Trump's pardons. Most are white-collar criminals with personal or financial ties to the president. Whether it's the brother, whether it's the sister, the entire family has enriched themselves. The Chinese government awarded Ivanka seven new trademarks. They can say one thing, do the other, and never get called on it. It's asinine. Midas Touch is responsible for the content of this advertising. President Trump has always been a champion for the American worker. The ties are made in where? China? Ties are made in China. Trump products outsourced to more than a dozen other countries. It's incredibly important to him that he fills federal job vacancies based on people having the skill, the passion, the drive, the competency to do the job. So somebody said, why did you appoint a rich person? I just don't want a poor person. Does that make sense? Not purely based on outdated requirements. I like nepotism. The president is turning to his family to fill out his presidential staff. The administration announcing Ivanka Trump will have a new role as a presidential advisor. A big role for his son-in-law. When you're the father and your son's entire career is dependent on that, they own you, Sean. You built once the most inclusive economy in this country's history. Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner earned at least $82 million last year. 40 million people have lost their jobs and you'll build it again. 
Are you concerned at all about what happened at the White House last night? I, you know, I... The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. And then, of course, uh, the folks at Eleven Films, oh, man, they dropped this one dealing with kids going back to school. Watch. Today is the first day of the new semester. The thought of reuniting with my friends fills me with a sense of joy. But with the plague still raging all around us, how safe will we be? I already lost my uncle. He was a strong, proud man, yet way too stubborn for his own good. Never once wore a mask. Imagine not doing the simplest thing, to protect the gift of life. We love and trust you, Mr. President. You said it would all be okay. You said we need to go back to school. So we are. Dear Mr. President, two weeks have passed since our school reopened. These days, my school bag is more like a survival kit, filled with protective equipment, hand sanitizers and the peanut butter jelly sandwich Dad prepares every morning. I've grown past those, but never told him that. He tries so hard to make them exactly like Mom used to. If not for his love, I don't know how I'd get through these times. A darkness hangs over our school. We never know who might be sick, who might be the next victim. The plague did not magically disappear as you said. Maybe in other countries, but not here. Was coming back to school, the best option for us or simply convenient? Mr. President, I buried my best friend today. How I wish I could go back, and tell her to stay at home. She had asthma, and she never stood a chance. She was only 14. You said young ones do well, you said we'd all be okay. Guess it was not so. Mrs. Willow, fought as hard as she could, like so many others. The fresh flowers she would bring to class each day, are now, wilting away. And with our school closed, a half-eaten sandwich is all I have left to remind me of a world that was kinder. Mr. President, this will be my last letter. We loved and trusted you. You said we would all be okay. You said we need to go back to school. So we did. But never knowing, I'd bring something back home with me. My father died today. And it was me who killed him. Man, uh, those uh, ads are really, really getting to Donald Trump, Jason. Uh, he had a news conference today. Frankly, it's been described by everybody online as absolutely batshit crazy. Uh, it, was his, it was supposed to be a White House event. He attacked Joe Biden. It was really campaigning. It was really a damn rally. Uh, trust me, uh, they are going in, slamming him, and the polls are reflective of, how, of what's happening in this race. Yeah, though, first of all, those were all very effective ads. And I can tell you, nothing plucks America's heartstrings like a little blonde white girl. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I think he's definitely going to have some trouble with that ad. Um, I definitely uh, think that he is in a tough position. But I still think that we on the left cannot let up on the gas because absolutely. there will be dirty tricks. There will absolutely be dirty tricks, as we, as we heard in the last uh, segment from the woman from Palante. They're, they are absolutely going to try every trick in the book, in Florida in particular, uh, in the Midwest. Uh, they've already, from what I hear, they're already conceding that they won't win Michigan, which is very interesting. 
But there are other parts of the Midwest that they still believe they can win. Uh, you're going to see all kinds of really low-down, dirty things because they know that these ads are effective, and they're truthful, and they're, they're uh, concerned. And Donald Trump, I don't know whether he wants to be president or not anymore, but he certainly doesn't want to lose. I know that. So he's, uh, he's going to fight. They're going to do whatever they can to win. And with uh, the uncertainty of our election in terms of mail-in votes, in-person voting, all that kind of stuff, you're going to see some really dangerous things. So we have to definitely keep up the pressure, keep up everything that people are doing to try to get uh, Donald Trump out of the White House. Uh, Kelly, uh, Donald Trump writes new ads every time he talks. Uh, CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, they had a, an exclusive with Trump. Uh, and this is what he actually had to say about the Confederate flag. I can't wait for the next ad with this one. President Trump, back in 2015, you said the Confederate battle flag belongs in a museum. Do you still believe that? All I say is freedom of speech. It's very simple. My attitude is freedom of speech. Very strong views on the Confederate flag. With me, it's freedom of speech. Very simple. Like it, don't like it, it's freedom of speech. Would you be comfortable with your supporters displaying the Confederate battle flag at uh, well, political events? you know, it depends on what your definition is, but I am comfortable with freedom of speech. It's very simple. But you understand why the flag is a painful symbol for many people, because it's a reminder of slavery. Well, people love it, and I don't view... I know people that like the Confederate flag, and they're not thinking about slavery. I look at NASCAR. You go to NASCAR, you had those flags all over the place. They stopped it. I just think it's freedom of speech, whether it's Confederate flags or Black Lives Matter or anything else you want to talk about. It's freedom of speech. Ooh, that ad just writes itself, Kelly. It really does. Um, the fact that he continuously and his supporters continuously try to equate the Confederate flag with Black Lives Matter or Antifa or anything like that or and, and try to and lump it all together, it's freedom of speech. No, Mr. President, the Confederate flag is treason. And it's ironic how you are the president of the United States supporting a flag that explicitly, historically says, you know, in its existence, that it didn't want to be a part of the United States anymore. The whole point was to separate itself from the very seat that you sit. So I... I it, he's just dumb. Like, I have other words to say, but that just pretty much wraps it up. Our president is dumb. And it's really, really frustrating to me how he and his supporters and anybody who thinks like him just, just want to uphold a treasonous symbol. This is the epitome of anti-America, and you think it's okay because of freedom of speech. That's not how this works. That is not how any of this works. And, and it, it, it's just baffling to me. And it's sad. It's really sad how I, dumb our president is to uphold a symbol that is anti-him by way of him being, um, you know, the president of the United States. Well, it's, you, it's you, you, you can claim him as my president. You ain't going to ever hear me say that. Uh, Julian, here's his other ad that also just writes itself. Watch this. Let's talk about George Floyd. You said George Floyd's death was a terrible thing. Terrible. Why are African-Americans still dying at the hands of law enforcement in this country? And so are white people. So are white people. What a terrible question to ask. So are white people. More well, white people, by the way. More white people. Let's talk Julian? about George Floyd. You said George Floyd's death. 
yeah, I have to say, Kelly had it right on time. This this man is just D-U-M-B plus. But you know, the, the thing about it is he does not know history. He does not read. He does not understand that if you look at the articles of the Confederacy, they were founded on a principle that Black people were inferior. And unfortunately, um, frankly, that mentality still exists in some places. He has never, in his presidency, made an anti-racist statement. And that, right there, so white people, is just the height of ignorance. But, but he could get higher. I mean, he could go higher. We need to, this should motivate folks to get out to vote. That's the bottom line here, is that we know that despite the fact that this man is a certified public idiot, there is, uh, there are going to be that 35% or maybe 30% who are going to vote for him. So we have to get people out because everything he says is an insult to somebody. Usually black folks, but brown folks, uh, women, everything that comes out is uttered. Everything he utters is an ignorant insult. And by ignorant, if he read at all, he would understand what the Confederacy was about. But you know, the only complete sentence he will ever have is the sentence he gets when he goes to jail. Jason, uh, it's real simple. If post, if somebody is voting for Donald Trump in November, they are knowingly and willingly voting for a racist who is running a campaign built on racism. To say, oh, I, 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 he literally said, what was the context of flying the Confederate flag? Oh, there are some people who like it and they aren't thinking about slavery. Wow. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. One of the things that I thought was interesting about that that interview was they he looked so badly. Like, I, I'm shocked that his advisors didn't come and blot him. I, I know this is probably a little off the subject, but he looked beet red. He was sweaty. Like, I, I was kind of shocked that they let him go on camera that way. Someone who was so image conscious and so ratings conscious that they let him actually be on camera looking that way. He didn't even I'm, look I'm, healthy. I'm, per I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it, too, but I was kind of shocked by it. Um, but as far as the things that he said, I mean, we didn't even need this interview. We've had so many things. And him saying the whole thing about free speech, when people came and protested at his rallies in 2015 and 2016, he had the crowd rough them up and beat them up, including pushing and shoving women so this idea of free speech goes right out the window when you look at the fact that people were at his rallies uh, exercising their free speech, and he was saying, no, they should be kicked out. You can't, you can't have free speech here. You can't oppose what I'm saying here. And there was recently a woman who was obviously going to protest at one of his rallies, and the police actually took her out of the line and didn't allow her to enter. And essentially robbing her of her free speech rights before she even got to exercise them. So this idea that he's saying, oh, free speech, you can have Black Lives Matter, you can have this, that, none of that goes along with his record. And we can go back really far into things that he's done to violate people's rights, particularly people of color. Uh, he does not think about the rule of law. He certainly is a racist. And, you know, we definitely have to get him out of office and try to get to reasonable people to see 
you know, I, I think America has disappointed me so much because there are so fewer reasonable people than I actually thought. There's so many people that try to explain away what he does uh, that, you know, I, I'm still skeptical about November, but I'm still, you know, keeping hope alive. Um, speaking of racist, and I'm talking about racist, uh, Roger Stone, uh, Donald Trump commuted his sentence, uh, and this racist Roger Stone who has been booted off of Instagram, booted off of Twitter. Uh, he is a vile, despicable human being. Um, the question really should be, if Biden wins, should the Department of Justice indict Roger Stone? I say so. Now, check this out. There's this new, I forgot the name of it, this, this new social media platform that conservatives are loving uh, because they've been getting kicked off left and right. So let me show y'all what this racist uh, posted. So go to my iPad. Uh, Meghan McCain, Donna Rizzio, Bette Midler, Roland Martin, who can't dance for shit, all celebrated when I was arrested in a Gestapo-type raid by the FBI. Who's celebrating now, bitches? Assholes. Roger Stone. Uh, I did nothing wrong. So what happened was Roger, Roger Stone is upset, y'all, because when he got arrested, uh, I actually posted, uh, and it wasn't actually tied to this, but I posted this video uh, of me dancing when he got arrested. You ain't got, don't pull the music up because we're going to get a flag. So that was me sitting here dancing. So, y'all, this fool Roger Stone, this racist, actually said, I can't dance. Now, y'all see, I'm straight up on, on rhythm, flowing, doing an alpha A step. <laughs> y'all want to see rhythmless, racist Roger Stone? Watch the, let me show y'all this here. Let me show y'all this video here. Now, this is Roger Stone saying, I can't dance. Y'all just saw me. Here is uh, no dancing as Roger Stone. Watch this. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh. This, this was the video oh. when Trump commuted his <laughs> sentence. Trust me, trust me, Roger Stone, with your racist ass. Uh, Boy, please. That's not even a conversation. But, but, but then again, Roger Stone, you are a swinger. <laughs> you are a self-acknowledged swinger. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah he is. Yeah, I said it. Are you talking to me? Hey, can I can I promote? What's uh, what's wrong, Kelly? Hold on, Kelly. Kelly, what's wrong? <laughs> Damn, Roland. <laughs> I'm trying. Okay. Does he look like he was having a seizure? Okay, um, that was really petty of him to even bring you up for any reason. But you got, but you got to um, remember, he's a racist. He attacked me. Yeah, he attacked I, me. He apologized to a to a conservative outlet. Didn't have the guts to call me himself. And so that's what he is. He attacked Anna Navarro as well. He's a racist. Roger Stone is a dirty trickster, and the New York Times should have been ashamed of themselves in this story in this commutation, calling him a colorful character. I mean, it's 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 really bizarre to me. I mean, he looks like one of those villains off of Gotham City somewhere. But aside from that, it, it's just the, the nepotism and cronyism of this administration runs so deep because the evidence against him was was just obvious. And he should not be out of jail right now, but he is. Um, and then for him to gloat about being out of jail based off of a president who 
who it reinforces his nepotism and cronyism on a daily basis. It's like you're you're just digging yourself a deeper and deeper grave in terms of just how corrupt you are, just how corrupt uh, this presidency is, and just how much you don't belong here. Like it it, it it's you should still be in jail. Um, but racists are going to do this. Like he he's he's just doing what is expected of somebody who knows that he's not worth the skin that he lives in. And, so and, and, I, I just wish that said skin had more rhythm. And 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 Julian, here's the deal. He was supposed to go to prison uh, on today. He was supposed to report today. Uh, Trump issues this commentation late Friday. A lot of folks in the White House suppose it supposedly William Barr did. I doubt it. Uh, but the bottom line is, is here. Donald Trump is a thug in chief who protects fellow thugs. Uh, Julian, what's up with the audio, guys? Okay, I can't hear Julian. Go to Jason. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I thought it was really, uh, I, I mean, it was a funny post. You know? And I would love to see that dance battle. You know what I mean? Bro, that ain't no battle. That ain't no battle. That, that, that ain't even a versus battle. That's not even, I mean, let, 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 Jason, let me help you out. I can outdance Roger Stone sitting like this here. Yeah, and, and you know what? I would like, like, literally, I, I could sit in this chair like this here and beat Roger Stone ass in a dance battle. I agree, and I think that the, you know the Vegas ads, the Vegas uh, you know uh, odds will reflect that. I'll put my money on Roland Martin, and we can make this happen. You know what I'm saying? Let's promote it. But at the same time, Roger Stone, Roger Stone is a criminal. He should be doing the moonwalk in prison, and you know he witnessed tampering. I mean, the guy actually threatened somebody who was going to expose the fact that he was actually guilty. Even Bob Mueller, who deserves to be retired, deserves to be resting. Even Bob Mueller had to get out and say, this is ridiculous, and say that it was wrong. Uh, Roger Stone, the fact that he is walking the streets is everything that's wrong with our justice system. So you can talk all that First Step Act, and you can bring out Van Jones, and you can bring out everybody you want and talk about, you know, criminal justice reform, and even show, you know, people who deserve to be out of prison, like Alice Johnson, but in the long run, we see that all of his commutations and pardons have been of his friends. He has 11 of them. They've all been people like, you know, uh, Dinesh D'Souza and... Also uh, another felon. Yeah, another fa felon. Uh, Sheriff Arpaio. All these criminals and racist and bottom barrel, you know, swamp types get pardons. Uh, when we look at President Obama... He had 1,700 pardons. Most of the people were for uh, nonviolent drug offenses that were just egregiously wrong. Uh, so you see the difference in those numbers between 1,700. I don't think President Obama knew 1,700 people. And the 11 people, the vast majority of the president knew personally. And Roger Stone, obviously, was someone who could protect the president or implicate the president. So this is really egregiously wrong. It's not surprising, but as you said, that this is the kind of thuggery and crony, cronyism that we're seeing in Washington today. It's everything that's wrong with politics. I hope that America is fed up, but, you know, as you know from the circles that I that I've sometimes frequent and the places that I go, I'm not so certain. We have to keep our foot on the gas, like I said before.
Uh, Julian, we got your audio straight? I hope so. Go ahead. Um, what 45 did was signaled to anybody who basically had his back that he had their back. Roger Stone needs to be up under the jail, and I don't even understand, Roland, why you would compare your dancing, which is usually very fluid, to that idiot's dance. Oh, no, I, I, no, I, I, I had to show Rhythmless Nation um, with, with this uh, lying racist. Go ahead. But anyway, 45 has... He and his family have exploited the White House every way but up. How many uh, patents has Ivanka gotten? How many deals has Jared gotten? Uh, he has a friend of his working on PPP equipment, getting a lot of money for that. And so the fact that he also pardons Roger Stone is unsurprising. Nancy Pelosi has the right idea when she says that the pardon should, the legislation on pardons should be amended so that you cannot pardon someone who is connected to you. Um, but I doubt that that would pass right now. What we need to know, what we need to understand is these people have no respect of law, no respect of process. And so if people, and people will, if people continue to vote for him, we just have to have a counteroffensive. We know they go steal some votes because they always do. So we have to get more people out. We have to have poll watchers. We have to do all of that. We have to run people to the polls if we have to. Because this man is, as what do they say, lies lower than a rug or underneath a snake? You know, there are all kind of little euphemisms for the low-life behavior we've seen out of this White House. Simple as that, folks. What you're dealing with, again, you're dealing with individuals who are thugs. And I'm telling you all right now, ignore every single one of these polls. Ignore every poll about Joe Biden in Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Arizona. Ignore all of them. I've been saying this. We better mobilize. We better organize. Use digital uh, operations to be able to get folks uh, to register to vote. That's what we must be able to do. And guess what? Bury his ass in November. I'm talking about, I keep telling y'all that scene from Remember the Titans. Herman, leave no doubt. That's what you do. You bury Donald Trump. You blow him out of the waters. You think his ego was hurt when he, he was beaten by Hillary Clinton by three million votes? Beat his ass this time by six, seven, or eight million votes. That's the only way you do it. I'm telling you right now, this thug does not deserve four more years. The Republicans who back this thug up don't deserve to be in office. That means those senators who are running in Texas, who are running in Arizona, who are in Maine, who are in Georgia, in North Carolina, in South Carolina, in Montana, in Colorado, all of them, throw them the hell out. Because what they are doing, they will let this man do anything that he wants to do. They will run roughshod over the Constitution. This man has withheld his uh, taxes. He won't even comply with con congressional subpoenas. He, was, he will allow his uh, own staff to campaign or when they're supposed to be working for the American taxpayer. And if all you need to know is what we played today, the man thinks the Confederate flag is free speech. And he, 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 when he was asked, would you allow it at your rallies? And he said, basically fine is free speech. 
That is an absolute bigot who is in the White House, and I don't give a damn how many black folks you have in there. I don't care how many times you roll black people through there who got out of prison because of the First Step Act. Donald Trump needs to be defeated in November, and you better make sure you do everything you can to make it happen because you do not want to see the kind of country we will be for four years if he has four more years. All right. Y'all know what time it is. No charcoal girls are allowed. Why are we... I'm white. I got you, huh? Um, illegally selling water without a permit? On my property. Whoa! Hey! Hey, Give me your ass. You don't live here. I'm uncomfortable. Well, another Karen has done it again. A radio host in New Hampshire. Diana Ploss was on her way to work at the radio station when she heard these workers speak, not speaking English. She decided to whip out her phone and record it. Matter, it's still English. It's English, English, English. Is anybody here illegal? Are these guys illegal? Any, what's the name of this company? Look at this. Look at this. It's America. Speak English. Speak English. So he's, this is a foreman working for this company, Morins. And he's speaking, he's speaking Spanish to these guys. So your tax doll is up here in New Hampshire. That's what's going on here. That's what's going on here. That is what's going on. So now they're, they're, they have people who don't speak English, who are putting in this stuff, the taxpayers are paying for, and look what they're doing. This is communism. This is communism. Look at this. They're taking over these streets. This, what they're doing up here in Nashua is permanent, permanent. So here's a private company, wake up. No residents. I want to know where's Governor Sununu? Where's Governor Sununu? What's, what's your problem? Are they in America? Yes. Okay, they should be speaking English. Why? Who said, what they why? should be speaking English. Because what? They should be speaking English. Are they illegal aliens? They don't speak the language? What does speaking the language have to do with Do that? they not speak the language? When you drive into the state, what does it say? Do it they says, not speak the language? I have no idea. Okay, why do you care? Because I, I wasn't talking them? to you. You're harassing me. I have a right. To harass people? Um, how, am I, how am I harassing them? You're yelling at them while Am I yelling? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Are they illegal? The street, so? I'm trying to enjoy my lunch. So, so then go, go enjoy your lunch. You're Why are you wearing a mask? Why am I wearing a mask? Yeah. I don't know there's a global pandemic. Really? Going. Okay. Okay. So this guy decided that he's going to come over here and be a social justice warrior. Right. I know, really. Because I was six feet away outside. Oh, it's over from the other side. Because he's, he's a black man, and he's going to protect the brown man from this white woman who's practicing um, white privilege because she happened to walk by and heard this guy talking to all of these guys doing this work in Spanish. So I'm going into the studio. Well, she went into the studio, her ass got fired from her job. She's a big time MAGA person, talk radio personality. Yeah, she got fired. 
This is what this idiot posted 42 minutes ago on her Facebook page. Why aren't you angry? Burn, loot, murder, BLM, Black Lives Matter, is allowed to terrorize our communities, tear down our historic statues, loot our businesses, burn down our churches, and kill fellow American citizens. They are allowed to do this because they are angry. Well, you know what? I am angry, and you should be angry too. 40 million Americans out of work, Americans committing suicide, Americans isolated and desperate. Now we have American businesses giving jobs to foreigners. Huh? Why can't these jobs be given to veterans, to high school kids, college kids? We should have nipped this Agenda 2030 BS in the bud when they started making us press one for English. America first, KAG, Trump 2020, lead right, MA. Okay, here's what is absolutely hilarious about this racist. What's hilarious about this racist is she actually said, we have American businesses giving job to foreigners. Huh. Jason? <laughs> Are there foreigners working at Mar-a-Lago? think so. Jason? Think Are so. there foreigners working at Trump's winery? Uh, I believe so, yes. Kelly, are there foreigners working at Donald Trump's country clubs? Undocumented foreigners, if I'm not mistaken. Julian, are there foreigners working at Trump hotels? Absolutely. So, so we've got Ms. Maga, Diana Plus, Jason, who is just so beside herself with these foreigners who are working in America, in New Hampshire, and the dumbass doesn't even realize that Donald Trump's own companies have requested waivers and visas to hire more foreign workers. Yeah, I mean, obviously this person is not a very smart person. Person, I usually don't like to use ad hominem publicly, but this person is just not very smart. And I would also add that there are lots of veterans who speak Spanish. You know, two of my close friends uh, are veterans. Fought one of them was was wounded in Iraq. Got shot by a uh, by a sniper in Iraq. Went back and did two more tours. And guess what? When we see each other, we speak Spanish. Another friend of mine did two tours. We speak Spanish. They speak Spanish to one another and to our, to our, you know, their families. So this idea that Americans are just white, and again, I think it's so funny when people try to use social justice warrior as if that's an insult. <laughs> like, like, I want to be a social justice warrior, a warrior for social justice. So kudos to that young brother for standing up uh, and, and confronting her and, number one, wearing a mask when he did it because she's, I don't know if it's COVID, but probably I wouldn't want to be in her face without a mask. So shout out to him for actually standing up for what was right at that moment, which is the African-American tradition. So shout out to him. And, you know, these people, I'm glad that we're finally getting to a point where we're exposing them. And in this case, she exposed herself. So, you know, kudos to her. Hopefully she can get a job landscaping as well. Maybe she needs to learn Spanish. 
I, I get a kick out of these ignorant MAGA people, uh, Julian. Uh, American first, high American workers. When the person who they literally are praising hires tons of international workers. You know, this woman was so out of order, out of line, that it wasn't even funny. And uh, like Jason says, kudos to the brother who stood up to her. But I don't know, maybe she didn't take her meds that day because there was something going on. Why are you wearing a No, 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 hold up. No, 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 no. See, we're not going to push this thing on meds. There are some stupid, ignorant MAGA people, okay? Stupid, ignorant, racist MAGA people who hate, who, who are white supremacists. That's what they are. They, this ain't no, they, 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 they psychotic or, you know, they, they, uh, you know, they might be bipolar. No, they are sane and racist. Well, Roland, I agree with you up to a point. I just thought her behavior was so obnoxious. She's a MAGA supporter. <laughs> okay. Have you, se have you seen Candace Owens? Have you seen Brandon Tatum? Have you seen Terrence Williams? Have you seen these fools? That's what they are. Okay, you're right. They fools. I'm trying to give them... <laughs> I ain't giving them no damn benefit of the doubt. All right, Roland, but here's the bottom line. We took Mexico. I mean, we made California out of Mexico. And Texas. Out of Mexico. You know, we can't be Arizona, running around uh, talking about speaking English. <laughs> you know, New Mexico, Arizona. We can't run around talking about speak English. We're a multicultural, multilingual uh, country. And her just um, ignorance in confronting those folks is off the chain. And she's very fortunate that nobody did anything to her to let her understand that she was out of order. Um, and you're right. The other thing is, of course, that 45 has all kinds of illegal, undoc undocumented people working for him, all kinds of, from the hotels here in Washington to Mar-a-Lago to his golf courses. This has been documented. So, you know, they are basically worshiping God who has clay feet. I mean, Kelly, don't these fools understand the Louisiana Purchase? Don't they understand, like, literally this country exists because of people from foreign countries? In fact, all these white folks, they ain't, they weren't from here. They, they the original, they the original, wait a minute, they the, they the original foreigners taking jobs. <laughs> I don't, I don't think, I really don't think that they're all that educated. And if they are, they are willfully ignorant and, and purposely ignore the education that they have acquired because her use of the word communism is wrong. Her use of Black Lives Matter is wrong. Her use of, of rhetoric that she used towards these people is, is just wrong. It's not just, you know, mean. It's not just racist. It's wrong. And one of my biggest pet peeves in the world is when you're loud and you're wrong. Like, pick a struggle, because they are each struggles. But just pick one to deal with, and then we can go from there. But no, she was loud and wrong with with her rant, and, and, it, and it is frustrating to me. And then the fact that our president 
is is using undocumented workers, is using these same people who she claims are taking jobs away. They're planting trees. They're planting. Do you want to plant a tree? You can totally plant a tree, lady. It is absolutely okay for you to plant a tree. Find somebody to pay you to plant a tree on their behalf. I'm sure there's a job out there for they you. They are stupid. No. And that's why I'm glad she got fired. Also, for the people out there who paid no attention in uh, American history class, go to my iPad. Um, you see the little white territory right there? That's actually called the Louisiana Purchase. American bought it for $15 million in 1803. France controlled all of that. France controlled Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, Colorado, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming, and Montana. That was all owned by France. It's amazing what happens when you read, see, the four of us who are black were the reasons why y'all didn't want our slave, the slaves, our ancestors to know how to read. Because we could call bullshit on your stuff. All right, y'all, final story here. Bennett College uh, has decided that they are going to go to online classes only in the fall. Again, being impacted by coronavirus. Uh, it says students will return to class this fall, but they will not be on campus. Classes will be taught entirely online. Data shows that the pandemic is not under control in North Carolina and disproportionately impacts the lives of black women. Now, the business of the college will also be done remotely. The campus will remain closed. Uh, Julian, you're president emerita of Bennett College. Uh, but this is something that we have to deal with. There are parents who are saying, wait a minute. Am I, why should I be paying full tuition for online courses? That has a very dramatic impact on not only these HBCUs and other universities, but also what we're seeing is that by not having these students on campus, that is going to have a negative impact on the businesses located where these yeah. college, colleges are as well. You know, absolutely, Roland. Bennett is a small campus. People live um, very close to each other. And so the, the president made a good decision to say, let's go online for the fall semester. At the same time, what we know in terms of economic impact is that Bennett has a major economic impact in the city of Greensboro. It's walking distance from a downtown area. Uh, young people buy clothes, other things downtown, and it will, it will have an impact. What has to happen? And I think Bennett does have the wiggle room to do it. We just have to figure it out. Um, the dorms are not fully occupied, so I think we need to go to singles as opposed to double rooms as long as we can. I think that we absolutely need to uh, look at the economic impact. And I think that perhaps the city of Greensboro ought to offer not only Bennett, but other colleges, especially the smaller colleges, some relief, which they can do. Um, this, this is a horrible time for young people and for their parents because people are trying to figure it out, and it's challenging to figure it out. Uh, Kelly. I mean, this is a very complicated issue, but it's also, in terms of its solution, at least temporarily, it's pretty simple. Like, in order to save lives, you need to stay home, especially in these states where it is clear that your government does not care about you. Um, thankfully, Bennett College uh, cares about its students, cares about its faculty, cares about its administration, such that they have 
uh, come up with the solution to not only um, try and save as many lives as they can within the powers that they have, but also continue the, the legacy of educating black women such that they can go on to thrive. Um, it is not the most ideal situation, but it, it's, from what I see, the only thing that can happen right now. Jason, you professor at the University of Maryland. What's going to happen with y'all in the fall? Uh, that's still unclear, but I think that, you know, the campus uh, really wants to bring us back. And for many of the reasons that were stated and many of the reasons that, that you were saying earlier, and that is that people are going to complain, why should I pay full tuition when I'm not getting the full experience of being on a college campus? And the issue with that is if, let's say, you get half off uh, and the university is out $100 million, let's just say, it gets really difficult on not necessarily the tenured faculty and all of that, but when we're talking about groundskeepers, we're talking about dining, we're talking about housekeeping, people who, who work hourly, are those people going to be unemployed? You know, the university doesn't want to let those people go. They want them to, they want to be able to continue to pay them, regardless, you know, if they're doing the same amount of work that, you know, the, their jobs are their livelihood. So it becomes this really complicated issue but at the same time, we have to think about public health. Um, and so it's a really tough issue. We have our first African-American president, um, and we are the only university, I believe, in the FBS um, that has an African-American president, an African-American athletic director, and an African-American head football coach. So we're very proud of that. Um, but he's coming into a fire. He's coming into a very difficult time and has to make very difficult decisions because a third of our faculty is over the age of 60. So that means that they are really vulnerable to COVID. And so we have to be really safe about this. Uh, and I think online classes might be, you know, it's probably the right way to go about it, or at least some sort of hybrid. Um, but at the same time, we have to think about the hourly workers and, and people who need their, their jobs, uh, even even if they're not necessarily working the same hours or not on campus. Uh, absolutely. And so we're going to keep uh, folks of the, you know, Hampton University made the decision to go online as well. So we certainly will let you know what happens with all of the other HBCUs. Folks, don't forget, we want you to support Roland Martin Unfiltered by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. We are about 500 away from hitting 10,000. Our goal is by the end of the year to have 20,000 of our supporters, the uh, members of our uh, Bring the Funk fan club. Right now, there are 6,326 of you watching live right now on YouTube. There's nearly 1,000 watching uh, on Facebook. The reality is that if every single person who's watching right now actually joined the fan club, we would be, only have about three or 4,000 left. We could actually meet our goal tonight. Folks, we want you to support what we do. You can give right there on YouTube. Look, there's nobody else doing the kind of show that we're doing two hours a night live every single day, five days a week. Also, uh, y'all made to, to, just to understand again the kind of work that we're doing here. Uh, earlier today, uh, you not, uh, Until Freedom, the group uh, founded by Tamika Mallory, Linda Saussure, uh, and uh, my son as well, they were going to put the graphic back up. Uh, they actually had uh, a protest rally that took place uh, today uh, in Louisville. Uh, they are fighting out there for Breonna Taylor. Uh, they actually contacted me late last night. Go to my iPad. Folks, we live stream this rally 
earlier today, again, this is why this platform matters. Uh, again, nobody else is doing it. No other black website out there uh, is providing the kind of platform for folks like them to be able to get their message out. And so we live, we, you know, they connect, they contacted with me. We live stream this rally on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and our Periscope channel as well, which is owned by Twitter. And so they were able uh, to get uh, the message out there. They were able to, uh, to do that. Of course, uh, they were out there for about 50 minutes. Uh, and again, they were, they were marching as well. You can see the video right here. Uh, this is them uh, marching. This is why we do what we do. So we want you guys to support us. You can cash app us at dollar sign RM Unfiltered. You can also hit us up uh, on uh, PayPal, paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered. Uh, Venmo, RM Unfiltered. You can also send us a money order, cashier's check to New Vision Media Inc., NU Vision Media Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. And so you will certainly appreciate it. Again, you can give right there uh, on uh, YouTube. And let me tell you something right now. Look, I appreciate people who say thank you for all the information. But the reality is, folks, this office space, staff, equipment, all of these things cost money. Uh, this broadcast that you're seeing, go back to my iPad. I just want y'all to understand what I'm talking about right here. And guys, uh, uh, Chelsea, bring me the live view unit. I want y'all to understand, they had a photographer in Louisville who had a live view unit. Okay, so he was there. They were sending us that signal via our live view unit. Y'all, I'm telling you right now, that live view unit uh, that that the rack unit where they sent that signal to us uh, cost twelve thousand dollars. All right, this is actually what he was broadcasting with. This is the live view unit right here that he was broadcasting with. Okay, and again between the rack rack unit and this, you're talking about twenty thousand dollars. That's the investment uh, that we made into this show. This allows us to be able to broadcast remotely for events just like that. That stuff costs. We're not just sitting here with the phone. Those of you who gave to us previously uh, with the app that we use where we can send that app, we can send that link to someone who can use a phone. But this right here, go back to the, go back to the uh, protest. This was not actually uh, a particular um, uh, app. It was, it was a shooter who was out there. Matter of fact, go ahead and pull the audio up. to say that they won't do anything, they force us to have to continue to protest, continue to be actively engaged, and we have to escalate our efforts. Aaron. Aaron and two friends. So again, this platform was created not just to do this show live, but to do events like that. And so uh, we want you to support us. Let me thank uh, Jason. Let me thank uh, Kelly uh, and Julian for being on our panel today. We surely appreciate it. Thank you so very much. And again, folks, support us. We need you to make this possible for us to remain independent. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo. You can also pay with a credit card with Square. And then you can also, again, send us a money order, uh, 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. And uh, I'm going to get their logo for you. There's a, there a barbecue restaurant in, 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 in California. I think they're in Sacramento. They actually dedicated a day's worth of sales to this show. They sent me an email two days ago saying that they... 
uh, they had uh, they generated $1,600 in sales that day. They said they believe in this show, they support this show, uh, and then they wanted to be able to uh, support us. Uh, and it is called, let me get it right here. Uh, it is called, so let me thank Barbara Jolly and her husband, uh, Charles Buster Davis. Uh, they own Buster's Southern Barbecue. Buster's, you know what, I'm gonna pull it up right now. So let me just show y'all. So just give me a little bit. Buster's Southern Barbecue. Okay, give me one second. Just, I just want y'all to understand uh, the people who support this show and believe in what we do. Um, um, it's right here. They're in uh, Calistoga, California, in the wine country. Go to the iPad, please. They sent me an email uh, on, on uh, July 13th. It says, wish to make a donation. My husband, Charles Buster Davis, is already on the mailing list. We would like to make a donation of $1,600 from our proceeds of Blackout Tuesday, July 7th, for our business, Buster's Southern Barbecue. And so uh, they had sent us uh, this email uh, months ago, uh, and I was like, whoa, I was like, are you serious? This is the first time that's actually happened. We've had people who have donated uh, resources. We've had people who have said, hey, uh, you know, I want to support the show. Um, and they actually, uh, I'm going to just go ahead and show this for y'all, because I just want y'all to, to see what I'm talking about. Um, they actually um, uh, sent this uh, to us, and I want to show you the letter. And I certainly appreciate uh, what they did. So this was the letter that I got uh, June 20th. Dear Roland, uh, July 7th, Blackout Proceeds, our donation to you. First, thank you for all you do. I've been a loyal subscriber and love listening to the important messages you share. I and my wife, Barbara, are owners of Buster's Southern Barbecue, a popular small black-owned business barbecue restaurant in the Napa Valley, California. In my support for all you're doing, we will be donating our proceeds from the July 7th blackout to you so you can continue to send the much-needed messages. I can't emphasize enough how much we appreciate the importance of what you're doing. Please know you always have an open invitation if you are in this area. We also have a stage for live performance of jazz and blues. You're always welcome to live stream from our venue and we can set up whatever equipment you need. We would love to have you visit. Let us know any thoughts that you may have for how we can cross support one another. We are proud to donate to your cause and we will gladly participate in any cross collaboration ideas you may have as well. Again, a wholehearted thank you for that you do. We appreciate the much needed difference you make. Sincerely, Charles Buster, Earl Davis, uh, Buster Southern Barbecue. So y'all support them. Go to bustersoutherinbarbecue.com. I certainly appreciate their support. And you absolutely, look, when this coronavirus thing is over and we get back out here, we are definitely going to go out there to Southern California and broadcast Roland Martin Unfiltered from your restaurant. Uh, and so uh, now once I uh, drop my 30 pounds, then I can have uh, all the barbecue I need. Uh, so we're going to do that. But again, we appreciate it. So for the rest of you, please support us in what we do. All right, folks, thanks a bunch. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Holla!
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.